one thing I can guarantee every entrepreneur listening to this is everything will take longer and everything will cost more than you plan. Just <laughs> operate on that as a truism. Welcome to MedSider, where you can learn from the brightest founders and CEOs in medical devices and health technology. Join tens of thousands of ambitious doers as we unpack the insights, tactics, and secrets behind the most successful life science startups in the world. Now, here's your host, Scott Nelson. Hey everyone, it's Scott. In this episode of MedSider, I sat down with Daniel Powell, CEO of Spark Biomedical. Daniel found his true passion in medical devices, specifically neurostimulation, in 2006, and has since launched multiple products in the space for companies like St. Jude Medical, Levanova, and Katinga. Daniel co-founded Spark in 2018, and he's since been serving as the CEO. Spark has developed the FDA-cleared Sparrow Ascent, a novel wearable device for treating opioid addiction, and is also advancing neurostimulation technology to address neonatal opioid withdrawal syndrome. Here are a few of the key things that we discussed in this interview. First, let go of your ego and rigorously test whether you have product market fit. Focus on creating a minimum viable product and explore efficient ways to outsource design and development. In the earliest stages, keep your team lean and mean by relying on a few trusted consultants. Second, there are many ways to fund a venture and relying on only one of them is a risky strategy. Diversify your plan with grants, venture capital, family offices, and angel investors, and make sure to approach each potential partner with a tailored plan. Third, navigating FDA involves jumping through numerous hoops, some of which you can avoid if you know how to. Do thorough research, enlist top-notch consultants, and be ready to guide the regulatory reviewers whenever needed. Okay, so before we jump into this episode, if you're listening to this show, I'm gonna make the assumption that you're a dedicated pro looking to learn from the best in the business. If that's the case, which I think it probably is, I've got some exciting news related to our premium memberships. First, let's talk a little bit about MedSider Playbooks, your ticket to going from zero to 100 with your company or your career. You see, our team has handpicked collections of the most insightful interviews with the brightest founders and CEOs. People like Nadim Yard, CEO of CVRX, and Mike Carusi, a serial medtech entrepreneur and general partner at Lightstone Ventures. These proven leaders shared their strategies and tactics for running a successful startup. Whether you're looking to master capital fundraising, navigate early stage development, tackle regulatory challenges, understand reimbursement, or maybe even position your venture for a meaningful exit, MedSider Playbooks have got you covered. And the best part, all of them are available to our premium members. Get instant access to these valuable resources at medsiderradio.com forward slash premium. Again, that's medsiderradio.com forward slash premium. Okay, here's the second thing. I completely understand that fundraising can be one of the most daunting tasks for any startup, especially in today's environment. That's why we've created a meticulously curated database of investors right at your fingertips. Explore a wealth of VC funds, private equity firms, angel groups, and more, all eager to invest in medical device and health technology startups. Access to this database is a premium member exclusive, so don't miss out. But that's definitely not all. When you become a MedSider Premium member, you'll get access to every volume of MedSider Mentors, where the brightest founders and CEOs share their invaluable learnings. Plus, you'll unlock the entire archive of every MedSider interview dating back to 2010. So if you're serious about advancing your career or your startup and want to tap into this treasure trove of knowledge, it's time to consider becoming a MedSider Premium member. Visit medsiderradio.com forward slash premium to learn more. All right, without further ado, let's jump back into the interview. All right, Daniel, welcome to MedSider Radio. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. I appreciate it too. Yeah, it should be a fun conversation. I know you've uh, you've done a few of these podcasts in, in the past, so um, I think the conversation should uh, should not only be 
um, educational, but hopefully there's a little bit of entertainment along the way as well. So I will, uh, I will try to entertain a little bit. <laughs> so with that said, uh, I recorded a uh, your brief bio at the outset of this uh, this episode, but let's start there uh, without getting you know without going line by line. I guess uh, with your resume in hand, give us sort of your <laughs> elevator pitch for uh, your professional background leading up to uh, co-founding the Spark Biomedical and uh, and leading the company as, as CEO. Yeah, I. Um... I took uh, what, what someone once called the off-road path uh, to, to get where I am, but actually uh, am a business major from Texas A&M, uh, accounting of all things, and uh, went into IT consulting as my first career, worked for a KPMG, and then I got this wild idea to start an internet gang cafe, and uh, in, in some uh, this must have been 2000, and so I started an internet gang cafe. Uh, which was a phenomenal way to lose a lot of money. Uh, I, I just I found out that uh, retail is horrible, and uh, ends up an electrical engineer from St. Jude Medical's neuromodulation division would come into my uh, store every day during lunch and play World of Warcraft. He ended up investing in the stores, which wasn't the best investment in the world, but ended up helping me get a job at St. Jude when it was kind of apparent I needed to go back to work and I couldn't, couldn't earn money, uh, enough money shelling, you know, one hour game passes to the internet cafe. So I ended up at St. Jude Medical in the software department. I had a strong technical background, even though that through my IT consulting and man, I just fell in love with medical devices and not just medical devices. It was like, it's the career I've been looking for. And I just fell in love with this idea of neurostimulation, like the body runs on chemical and electricity. And we're putting electricity into the nervous system to uh, affect a disease state outcome or, or an organ state and just all clicked. And, and I just, uh, that's 20, 20 years ago. I did spinal cord stem, deep brain stimulation as a product manager, upstream product manager, like figuring out what was the unmet need in the product space uh, and then and then working with engineering to deliver it. Went on to do Vegas nerve stem at Levanova, led global marketing there before kind of going, uh, trying a couple different things, trying a DBS startup and then meeting my founding partners, Naveed and Alejandro, where uh, this crazy idea that we're going to stimulate the vagus nerve through the ear was pioneered. Got it. <clears throat> Internet game cafe turned, you know, neuromodulation, uh, med tech entrepreneur. I, I, you know, I think you, you might be the first person I've ever had on the show. <laughs> That spent uh, spent time, you know, trying to trying to build a, a what sounds like an internet gaming franchise. But no, that that's an awesome background. I I, I always I, you can always it, it's funny. I, I can't remember exactly the the conversation I had recently where we got into this topic. In fact, I think it might have been where I was on another podcast where it's always I can always tell like the people that are are um, are inherent entrepreneurs. There's all, there's always like little trends or signs, you know, earlier on in their career where they were like just uh, taking swings, right, attempting to do uh, things that are maybe outside the outside the norm. Yeah, what was funny is the failure of the game stores crushed me, man. I, I was, I just felt like such a failure. And my wife would always say, like, Martha Stewart failed like set, had seven bankrupt companies before, you know, <laughs> you know, this is just part of your journey. And it didn't, didn't help. And I was like, I'm just going to be an employee. I'm going to take my paycheck. I'm, I'm not risking everything again. And, and it was funny. 20 years later, I learned a, a deep knowledge of an industry processes. So when it came to starting the company this time, I learned management skills, you know, there was, I had a, a very different skill base to tackle at this time. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lots of, lots of kind of, uh, year, years or years of experience under, under the belt. Right. So you can probably yeah. approach it a little bit differently this time, but, um, let's talk a little bit about the Sparrow Ascent platform. If you can kind of give us a high level overview of the technology and what you're trying to solve, you mentioned kind of, um, you mentioned it just, just a few minutes ago with you, with, you know, when you were introduced to your co-founders, but give us, you know, pretend I'm in, you know, I'm a ninth grader, you know, in high school. Um, and I'm trying to, you know, learn a little bit more about what you're building there. Um, and then if, if there's an or a particular interesting aspect to the, to the origin story, you know, uh, uh, that would be, that'd be fun to learn about as well. Yeah, we have, we have a unique approach. So what we're doing is we're applying electricity to two specific cranial nerves simultaneously, the trigeminal nerve, uh, which is more known for mediating pain, uh, driving endorphin release. And then the vagus nerve, which is known for mediating your fight or flight, your, your autonomic nervous system. And so what ends up is Naveed, uh, our chief science officer, pioneered vagus nerve stem for stroke recovery. That was his background, came out of UT Dallas, uh, is the foundation of uh, the, the implantable vagus nerve stimulator company, Microtransponder now, uh, was built on his PhD work. Alejandro, uh, was a trigeminal nerve expert and uh, his product, uh, he designed a system that is now NeuroSigma, which is a forehead stimulator for ADHD. So these two scientists got, and he's a neuroengineer. So these two scientists got to talking and like put this idea of what happens when we stimulate these two very complementary nerves uh, together simultaneously. And so that, that began what we call transcutaneous auricular nerve stimulation or TANS. And that is the fundamental basis. So we have a little device. We access this through the ear. Uh, right above your ear canal, there's a little ridge. That is the symbaconcha. That's where we're grabbing the vagus nerve. And then right in front of your ear is a little divot. Uh, you probably have rubbed it when you're stressed out uh, and because that's going to modulate your trigeminal. And so our, the device itself is battery powered. It stimulates at different frequencies and pulse widths and amplitude, those two different nerves, like two different languages of electricity. Uh, so one's at a high frequency, one's at a low. And currently we are FDA cleared and on market to alleviate opioid withdrawal. So the clinical effect of our first, gen our first product is you can take somebody in the fetal position in uh, opioid withdrawal is like the worst flu you've ever had combined with a hyper state of fight or flight. Like you literally believe you're going to die, uh, which makes willpower to get through it a very difficult thing because it's your lizard brain saying, you're going to die, man. You, you need to do something about this, which is use more drugs. And so clinically what this looks like is we can put this on somebody in the fetal position that are having just a really bad day. And within 30 to 60 minutes, they could be on this podcast. Uh, they, it, it is a profound and highly effective effect. So we're bringing them out of fight or flight. We're elite. We're driving endorphin production, which is alleviating those aches and chills and that misery. So it's, it's pretty exciting. So that's our first gen on market. We're developing a baby version of it for babies born physically dependent on opioids. So I'd say of all things I talk about today, that's what I'm absolutely most proud of. Uh, clinical sites here in Dallas uh, at Parkland Hospital and MUSC and, and uh, UT San Antonio now. Well, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's always like the, the the most kind of rewarding aspect of of, of being involved in, in in med tech, right? It's like 
it's extremely difficult to kind of build a startup in this ecosystem. But the fact that you're you know, you're truly making a difference. Um, quite compelling. With, with that said, I'm looking at the device on your website, which is sparkbiomedical.com for everyone listening. If you don't get a chance to to get to the full write-up on MedSider at sparkbiomedical.com, you can t- t- take a look uh, uh, a little bit about the about the device. But one quick follow-up uh, question, Daniel. Are you stimulating those two nerves? Are, it looks like, almost like they're patches that, that like, that that are or not. Like, how, how are you actually, I, I see the little wearable, like the actual kind of yeah, de- device itself, but how are you actually doing that? It's hydrogels. So oh, we draw the electricity through a hydrogel and that delivers it. The hydrogel is really good because it's comfortable. It covers a bigger surface area. So you don't get, you know, pinpricks, but it evenly distributes the current. Got it. Got it. And, yeah, and so it just sticks on like a Band-Aid. Okay. You know? yep. And, and yep. then they're daily disposable. So, what, you know, for most auricular vagus nerve type applications, you wouldn't stimulate all day long. You normally are stimulating and, you know, for 30 minutes or 20 minutes or five minutes or something, almost all the applications are like that. With withdrawal, you're really constantly battling that fight or flight and all. So we don't know the perfect dosing of it yet, but people wear the system all day long, take it off, go to sleep, get up the next morning. They're not feeling too bad, throw the system back on. Got it. Got it. That was going to be my next follow-up question is like, what, how long, how long do you wear it? But uh, you answered it for me. So we're recording this in Q4 of 23 kind of based on your LinkedIn profile. It looks like you've been at it for a little over five years or so, something like that. Is about right? Last month was our five, yeah, five, five year anniversary this month. Okay. Got it. Cool. Um, that that's awesome. And you mentioned it already. You've got the flagship system that's FDA clear. Are you actively commercializing that then? Yes, we are. You are. Okay. And then you've got this, um, this additional, platform that's that's uh intended to treat you said like uh babies neonatals yes so so we we had our first generation system and this is the second generation just approved okay Uh, same same indication we really needed the second generation approved to the first one the cables were fiddly you know it's your first gen system there you you learn a lot of lessons we didn't feel comfortable sending that to somebody's home. Uh, and I'll get to the expansion, but just to kind of explain. So we've been kind of on hold to get this system through FDA. And now it's launched with a telehealth offering as well as brick and mortar detox. Uh, because what we found out is 99% of people don't want to go to rehab. Uh, they, they do desire to get uh, of opioids, but they don't. You know, you have a dog, you have a family, you have kids, you have a life, you have a job. Uh, Not everybody can just take a 21 day vacation, not vacation, but, you know, (laughs) you know, just unplug for 21 or 28 days. So the platforms that really the only change for the neonates is shrinking the earpiece down to fit a tiny baby ear. Uh, So that's really the only adjustment, but all the parameters are adjusted. So we're in about nine or 10 other clinical trials and which we can adjust the parameters to try to affect the body differently uh, by using the same interface. So we have, we've, we've been very successful at grants and DOD contracts. So we have a lot of irons. Sometimes my investors get a little worried because they're like, are you focused? Cause you have like <laughs> nine things going on, but uh, you know, we've, We've been awarded about $17.5 million in non-dilutive funding to date in the five years. Uh, Naveed and his team are grant writing machines. Uh, so that, that really has funded our research. Uh, probably most cool about it is we're doing a giant brain imaging study where we're going to show exactly the brain structures we're affecting and modulating. Hmm. Well, that's great. Yeah, I want to I circle back around to um, to what you've been able to accomplish on the grant writing side because that's uh, that's 
really, really impressive. Um, you know, a couple million dollars uh, in, in nine dilutive grants is impressive, but you know, 17 plus million is a, uh, is a whole nother level. So uh, with that said, I think it's, that, that sort of sets the stage for maybe, uh, you know, rewinding the clock a little bit, right. And kind of running through or discussing some, some key functions of, uh, of, of any med tech startup or any, any, you know, key functions that any med tech startup needs to navigate, right. To go from, you know, zero to one and beyond. Uh, and so with, with that said, let's talk a little bit about early stage development. And you mentioned Gen 1, right, of the Sparrow Ascent was likely different. And even probably going going further back, your alpha and your beta versions of Gen 1 probably were were that much different than where oh, you were. We have PTSD from the alpha version that was in <laughs> clinical trials. <laughs> it was so bad. It's so, so bad it requires you to wear your own product, right, continuously. Yeah. No, um, yeah, no. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, th- this, is, this, is, this is probably one of the more difficult things, right, for any startup. You've got likely limited dollars that you're working with. You need to kind of make reasonably, you know, quick progress. Um, very, very efficiently. So like when you think about what you've learned, not just even like at, at the various strategics that you've been with, but maybe even more so at Spark, you know, are you doing or did you do anything differently with like the second gen device when it comes to development or just any any key tips or tricks, uh, not tricks per se, but any like, I guess, words of wisdom to other you know, med tech founders and entrepreneurs that are kind of in the same boat, right? They're in this alpha beta journey uh, or beta yeah. alpha journey and, uh, and wanting to... Um, you know, wanting to, to move quickly with, with limited dollars. Yeah, we did face this, you know, in the beginning, I'd say the first four to five months, you know, we were actually just trying to kill the idea, you know, but the door, the doors just kept opening and everything just kept working. So we, we, you know, in each step of the way, what we're trying to do is reduce risk and not spend money. We don't have to. So put a lot of pride away, like, Hey, I got to, I gotta own all the manufacturing, and you know, I gotta own. Now, now you know, I don't, I don't need a warehouse. I don't need any. You know, think of all that infrastructure. We just don't worry about. We outsourced all of R and D, but we had a strong CTO. I mean, Alejandro, you know, is a very tenured neuroengineer who could lead it. And I was like, I don't want a big staff of people burning money. You know, we'll outsource. Uh, find a great partner and outsource it. So, you know, we did a very finite clinical test, proof of concept. And the, you know, with the, this not being an implantable product, but being a wearable, boy, boy, that makes life easier. You know, <laughs> so that was kind of some of the thought process uh, around this. So, you know, quick hits, quick wins. This also helped us raise money. What I was looking for each step of the way is checking all the boxes to say, yes, proceed to the next level, the next level of valuation, the next level of money. And what I didn't want to do is run out of money and not have accomplished a major set of milestones where you're like, yes, you're, you know, you're graduating to the next grade. And I like, I like what you, what you mentioned out of the gate, right? Which is you, you almost tried to kill to kill the ideas, right? It's almost like the ideas were sort of default dead. And then if they, if they, you know, had life, you know, maybe, maybe you decided to pursue, pursue them with, with, uh, with more rigor, but I kind of like, I like that approach. And, you know, the second thing you mentioned that often comes up on the show is um, just being as, as founders, all of us need, or CEOs, all of us need to be mindful of like, cash in the bank, right? But how does that get me to the next, you know, clear milestones, so I can go, you know, raise, raise more capital. And, that framework of thinking is so so crucial, right? Especially in the early. I mean, it's it's important at every phase of the company, right? But but you need to be you know very very mindful of uh, you know ensuring that you have a good story to tell around how you're going to not only use the money, but how you're going to execute against those uh, those goals that you have in mind and being able to you know demonstrate that clear clear progress along the way. 
Um, absolutely. And, oh, I, I remember the other thing I was going to talk about. Then I, I <laughs> see me, see me, riff, me riffing Daniel, like it sparks, uh, sparks good, good thoughts, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the other interesting thing we did was we, again, it goes back to risk reduction is we had a Bluetooth connection to the device that they were like, Oh, it's, you know, HIPAA and all the cybersecurity. And we looked at that and we we're like, we're not collecting any patient device on the first one. This thing's going to be dumb. Mm. And then it was like, well, don't we want a feedback loop and record that? But yeah. But then the FDA is going to ask us for all this, like get gen one, get your MVP done. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, don't, all those things would have put massive risk on the project, on the FDA clearance. And it was like, those aren't necessary. Those can be step two. Um, the other thing I want to address, because you mentioned cash flow, uh, you know, we did we did have a major, you know, we ran into a major roadblock running out of money. And it was, you know, my worst nightmare. And, you know, we had just had several big investments fall through. And I've been very successful at raising money and just sort of got complacent. And I remember it was like a Monday. And I remember sitting there and I was like, I am going to panic today. <laughs> Give myself permission to panic today. <laughs> And then tomorrow I'm going to work the problem. And, you know, we just stopped and like, okay, what do we need to do? Uh, and we just, you know, I got on the phone, started calling, got a, we had a convertible note. We just opened it back up and started putting money back into it versus a new round. Um, and I don't want to ever go through that again. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> right. that, is, that just uh, is such a mis- miserable place. And I, we were doing good and it still snuck up on us. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I remember uh, Ga- uh, Gabriel Jones, he's the the uh, one of the co-founders and CEOs of, of uh, Proprio. He he mentioned on the pod recently that um, you know, he's he recommends all like the the founders and CEOs in his network that if you're if you're lo- if you're staring down a you know nine to twelve months of runway, you know, and you need to you know until you raise that next round of capital, he's like, you know, don't don't just don't start th- three months away, right, from when you're yeah. gonna run out. I mean, you've got to like nearly you know, 50%, even double, you know, that, that time period, uh, that, uh, you know, that, that you think is required to raise that next round of capital in order to, in order to give you enough time to, to actually effectively close it. But, um, the one, um, the one thing I can guarantee every entrepreneur listening to this is everything will take longer and everything will cost more than you planned period. Yeah. <laughs> Just it, operate on that as a truism. Right, right. There's no doubt, you know, and 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 to your point earlier about getting to MVP, right? It's a it's a mistake that's so easy to kind of fall or a trap that's so easy to fall into, right? Where you want to build in that next that next interesting feature or the that the next cool thing, and being able to balance that against you know feedback that you're getting from advisors, right? Oftentimes end users that are like, you really need to do this or you really need to do that. You have to be able to like have the fortitude to balance that sort of feedback, which is typically great feedback. But you need to balance it against kind of what you need to do, like to get to the next step, and and the uh, you know the the various risks that are going to come along with incorporating a lot of those features early on. So I think that's just really really kind of important feedback. I think for any 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 founders or CEOs that are working on their their first devices, that's like get get something out right that you can yes. use to get to the next the next the next stage. So so uh, so crucial. Um, Let's talk a little bit about. Let's touch on um, touch on just kind of F, uh, you know Ray Clin in general. You mentioned you've got like nine plus different studies going on, something like that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> you you've been able obviously to effectively you know navigate you know the the regulatory landscape, which I know you mentioned it's it's a it's not implantable, but these sort of like novel kind of technologies, especially if they're they're. Um, kind of their wearable in the sense don't don't come without their their challenges when it comes to to reg so when you when you just think about like 
your journey over the past five years with Spark Biomedical, what what are the what are some of the key things that I, I guess you've learned, kind of building out, you know, both of those kind of functions, clinical and reg, because they they obviously um, uh, interrelate so so heavily. Uh, yeah, so you know, it's probably not a, a a good. It's probably not wise to come and say bad stuff about the FDA on a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so I've been warned many times, um, but they're going to be frustrating to deal with. You're going to, they are inconsistent. There are personalities involved. There is the guidance that they're supposed to be following that they don't many times. And they're just people, right? And, and they're, they're not bad. They're not good. They're just people. They're people in a giant bureaucratic world where saying no is always the better answer than saying yes, <laughs> in my experience. Like you have very few people who are trying to get you to the finish line. You more have people in the environment that are going, well, I see something wrong and you need to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that's not a risk. <laughs> uh, so what I have found was the regulatory process, we, we've underestimated it several times. Uh, this last time our product was delayed over nine months getting on market because of biocompatibility on a set of biocompatibility tests that we passed. We passed them. And I won't go into the details, like, but it was, it just wasn't right. But those, that became the bar we needed to hit, you know, meet. And I told my team, you know, this isn't fair and I'm mad. And now that's the bar and that's just how we have to perform. So I, I've noticed, you know, I talked to other people in the wearable space and they're like, well, we don't have to do biocompatibility testing. It's just off the shelf hydrogels. And I'm like, no, you do. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I would assume a, even though it's wearable, where we've been bit is we're like, it's wearable. It's a class two. It's not a class three. It can't be near the rigor. And it feels like we've had to push a class three over the, the, the finish line both times. Mm -hmm. So I guess all that's just, you know, you can't be learning on the job regulatory. You need good consultants. You need, you know, it, you, you need people tenured in the field who know it and it's still going to it still can potentially be kind of challenging. And so the key to it's your pre-submission meetings. And, and that's plural for a reason, because you know, you're not <laughs> gonna get everything you need in your first one. So those are free other than the cost of consultants and everything. You go, you sit in front of the FDA, you explain to them what you're trying to accomplish. You, you have your series of questions. You wanna say like, are we in agreement? This is a class two device. Are we in agreement? This is my 510K predicate or not. And then, and so they have 90 days to respond and they will take all 90 days every single time. <laughs> We've had two approvals come within four hours of the clock. So it's, they're on a fixed clock, but they can pause the clock and play with the clock. We've had both of our approvals come within four hours of that clock being up at the full 90 days, plus, you know, all the pauses. And <laughs> we're like, I bet this is going to get through in 72 days. We had a whole bet. We had like everybody was betting on over and unders on it. And it was like and the one person who's the, the negative sourpuss was like, it'll take all 90 days. <laughs> It's not not fantasy football. It's like fantasy fantasy regulatory, fantasy FDA. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's our own fantasy football. Hey there, it's Scott, and thanks for listening in so far. The rest of this conversation is only available via our private podcast for MedSider Premium members. 
If you're not a premium member yet, you should definitely consider signing up. You'll get full access to the entire library of interviews dating back to 2010. This includes conversations with experts like Renee Ryan, CEO of Cala Health, Nadeem Yared, CEO of CVRX, and so many others. As a premium member, you'll get to join live interviews with these incredible medical device and health technology entrepreneurs. In addition, you'll get a copy of every volume of MedSider Mentors at no additional cost. To learn more, head over to medsiderradio.com forward slash premium. Again, that's medsiderradio.com forward slash premium.